This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Maverick UK producer Terry Stevens. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up to date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Internet.com, the ultimate internet domain, is now available and we're proud to list it. The domain gets 6 million unique visitors a month. This domain can be used for any of a number of uses. The opening bid is only $35 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Terry Stevens. Terry, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Well, I'm honored to have you. I've been looking forward to this. Now, Maverick producer Terry Stevens started out selling porn on VHS when the business was highly illegal in the mid-90s before a chance encounter with a customer gave him the opportunity to make his first amateur movie. It was a couple of years later when he gained recognition as an amateur producer on the popular Viewers' Wives series from Your Choice in Holland while still doing the round selling videos by mail order and door-to-door. That got him raided. A two-year court case ensued. Meanwhile, Terry was gaining recognition with his new One-Eyed Jack Gonzo series of movies that earned him a seven-movie distribution deal to produce new movies for extreme associates in the U.S. Terry teamed up with a partner to launch Wrist Action Entertainment, I love that name, a DVD distribution company supplying sex shops across the U.K., The problems with the newfound industry gone legal had problems that required a concerted effort to set standards, and UK Producers was born from a chance gathering of producers to form an association under the name of Producers for a Pint. Another great name. Everything's about drinking there. UCAP, as it came to be known later, was a collection of producers who engineered the much-needed changes that were required in the largely unregulated business, which later found itself defending the right to produce adult content for sale in the UK and its numerous challenges from the R18 Online, ATVOD, and Age Verification. At the same time, Terry was gaining momentum with his award-winning series Real Couples, which was featured on Playboy's Sexcetera. And he was also uh, juggling with productions and daily politics with performers and his commitment to the association, as well as staying ahead of all the changes that come with a business and a constant state of flux. After years of being a secretary to the various administrations over a 10-year period, Terry became the default chairman for the full five-year term and oversaw the UCAP awards from 2014 to 2018. Since the pandemic, Terry has been living in Bulgaria and continues to monetize his website. Sorry, Terry, that's all the time we have for today. Nice talking okay, to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I do my best. So, uh, tell us about yourself and how you got into the adult business. Uh, I came into the business when it was illegal to sell porn and made my bones through mail order and home deliveries before, you know, before that chance encounter with a customer uh, where they asked me if I could find a, 
you asked me if I knew any couples that would make want to make a video. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I didn't because I sold videos, <laughs> but I did know a couple that were having an affair. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I told them about a friend who wanted to make a video, and I was quite surprised. Uh, they said yes, they agreed to do it, and they were um, having it, even, and they were having an affair. Yeah, I'll have to elaborate on this a little bit more because I used to sell videos from home, and I used to do my um, uh, my, my selling uh, where people used to come into my home. So mm. they'd look at the videos that they wanted to buy. I see. Uh, and this particular couple came to visit me one day, and they said, "Look, you know." Hotels are really expensive. Can we shag hair? <laughs> and I was like, uh, "This is highly unusual." But I was getting used to being highly unusual, selling porn tapes because I start meeting unusual customers. <laughs> so I said, "Yeah, man, whatever." You know, they paid me a little bit extra, and because I knew that they were having an affair, I think it's probably why I asked them because it was a private video anyway. Um, so I hooked them up with this other guy. He gave me his camera. And uh, I filmed them with it. <laughs> um, I'd like to say that my career started from that moment, but it didn't start until a couple of years later. Um, after the incident, he said he had no use for the camera and he left it with me. <laughs> so it took me about two years later before um, uh, I used it to film um, a girl who applied through an advert in an adult magazine. And I really didn't know what to do. All I just knew is that she was really pretty. <laughs> and I just thought, I'd be silly to pass up on this. Yep. So I asked a friend if he would be the stud for me. And he was like, what, do what? <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you do it? And I was like, because I'm filming. You know, what am I supposed to do? I can't. I, I, at, but at then, you know, I didn't know. I wasn't into the gonzo thing. I was, I was like wet behind the ears. This sure. is my first girl I ever filmed. Right. So of course it was kind of awkward, but it was a nice meeting though because when I when I met her, um, I spent a bit of time asking her questions. I was just genuinely curious why she would put an advert, what more would she answer an advert for, selling videos to want to make videos, mm-hmm. and she said, well, she thought it was just a logical thing. You know, people who sell it must make it. And I thought, no, I'm pirating this stuff. <laughs> but you know, okay. I said, uh, I, I, I found myself getting into the amateur film market then. Um, and it, it, I was doing that for quite some time before um, before I started meeting people in in what was the beginnings of the adult industry at the time. Yeah, you go, um, you go back to the uh, beginning. Well, yeah. I mean, this. I think the the only real person that we had of any stature in the business at the time was Ben Dover, hmm. um, because sure. you know we, we were still at a point where the industry was illegal. And I think we might have had some soft channels like the adult channel. I think Television X might have started up back then, but they were soft. So it was a whole different approach back then. So hardcore was highly illegal. Hmm. Um, but somehow uh, there was uh, an underground market, if you like, sure. of um, people making movies. Because I think it's technology that facilitated that. Sure. I think it's the fact that a lot of eight millimeter video cameras back then came down in price and human beings being human beings will find uses for those, uh, those cameras. <laughs> and invariably it turns to sex. Sure. And I think back in the early days, most of the um, trading of adult videos was mainly done by swaps. I see. So uh, yeah, that's the, um, that's, that's my, my early beginnings. Yeah. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. Okay, well, yeah. I, you know, I think just about all of us got into the uh, business by mistake. So, <laughs> but it turned out to be yeah. a nice mistake for both of us. So, what was it like selling porn back in the '90s compared to now? Do you know one of the things I I I, I tell a lot of people is um, from my own personal experiences, nothing's really changed, just the format. Uh, in other words, the principle of selling movies is still you shoot it, you produce it, mm-hmm. you sell it. Right. Um, back then, we were selling it on VHS videos, yep. you know, these chunky cassettes. And, you know, uh, and, and nowadays, it's all file-based, uploaded onto the internet and monetized through a clip site platform. Yep. So that's the format now. Um but there were there are lots of other things that were different back then. We never had the access to luxuries like credit card processors, yep. so we had to rely on cash and postal orders. 
which were great. Oh, and 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 checks. Nobody remembers checks, but <laughs> we used to get checks. Oh, I, oh, I remember sure checks. I'm older than you are. I totally remember checks. Well, yeah. So, you know, we waited for the checks to clear so that we made sure we got our money because we never sent any of the goods out by mail order until we got our money. Otherwise, they, uh, they, they would cancel that check, which would probably be the modern equivalent of a chargeback. Yeah. yeah, so back then we could avoid chargebacks by waiting for the checks to clear. So when you think about it, it was better back then. Yeah, you know, you make you and make was, you make you make a good point. I think a lot of things were more simpler back then as well. I think a, a lot of the business was out of sight, out of mind. Nowadays it's just full on in your face because of all the tube sites. Sure. It's everywhere. And I think yeah, and I think that's what's causing us problems today. Otherwise, the adult sites, the adult pay sites, would be out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, when did you transition to couples porn, and why? What did you feel it was going to be more socially acceptable? The transition to real couples came naturally on the basis of all my previous years. So, I've worked with couples uh, from the moment I started, uh, but I didn't. I didn't, I didn't um, uh, shoot them as couples. I just shot them as boy-girl scenes. Right. Uh, but when I thought about it, we were starting to get a lot of uh, no-shows in the business at the time. Uh, and my partner, who jumped on board with me before, about the time we did wrist action, um, mm-hmm. I said to him that it would be more practical if we just worked with couples. Mm-hmm. And it made sense because that way – <laughs> You're not going to get one not showing if they're, if they're a couple, are you? You're going to get yeah. boy and girl scene. You're going to get boy and girl scene because they live together. Right. So nine times out of ten, you're, you're always going to get a shoot. So it, it made perfect sense uh, to shoot couples. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was just a lot easier as well because the chemistry was already there. It just made everything easier. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. So now I got to ask you this. What's the deal with this uh, alter ego you've got, Naked Truth Guy? Now, how did that come about and what did you do with it? Right. Okay. Naked Truth Guy came about, um, I think it was about 2014, when uh, there's a guy called Jerry Barnett who was campaigning uh against uh stop porn culture because mm. we had people like uh, anti-porn uh, campaigners like gail dines and julie bindle uh did conventions for people that was anti-porn mm-hmm. uh so we oh, i remember i remember the protest across the street uh from the hotel in london that was probably the one we went to yeah that's pretty yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah that that's where we met right right yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah because there was a lot of people there it's on mm-hmm. youtube the video um mm. But yeah, it started off from there because uh, I was merely just a cameraman just documenting what was going on in the day. And I remember waking up on Monday morning, <laughs> and I think this was probably inspired because uh, by, by a woman called Charlotte Rose, who said to me, um, if you had a secret, she used to do a radio show, and she said to me, if you had a secret power, what would you want that power to be? And I remember back then, it, it just came to me naturally. It was just, just, just about the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she says, so your power would be telling the truth. I says, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I think it would be telling the truth because there's a, there's a lot of lies being spread about porn right now. Um, they're trying to demonize the business that I'm in. I'm not who these people make me out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and the name Naked Truth Guy came mm-hmm. out of that. And I thought, wow, yeah. So I set up my Twitter account as Naked Truth Guy, <laughs> and I used that to talk about um, the uh, the things that I used, I used it as my commentary. Uh, so whenever I spoke to people like Gail Dine, she blocked me, by the way. You know, I, w- I would counteract their comments with with, with truthful comments. Right. Like I'll say, if she said something, I would say, well, can you prove that? Because they can't. They'll come out with fudged-up figures. Oh, like, yeah. you know, the, the, for instance, the adult industry makes $98 billion a year. <laughs> and I thought, that can't be. Where did you get your facts from? And they don't want to answer that well, question. They, so they, got it, they got it very close by, right out of their ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and, I, and I called uh, Gail Dines out because I was watching her, um, her 
what she was doing with her her convention mm-hmm. and some of the things that she was talking about because apparently she was talking about um uh, sex addiction and whatnot. She was offering courses at fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> so I told her that how she, nice of her. She existed, yeah. She existed on the basis of uh, flying on our coattails on the adult industry. I said, in fact, you need us to do what you need to of do. Of course. So you're Is, making money out of us. Isn't that always the case? Yeah. She well, do you know what? She admitted that before she blocked me. She goes, yeah, you got my number, then blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think that the um the resistance to adult is any worse in the UK than it is anywhere else? No, I think there's a, there's a higher tolerance and acceptance to uh, adult, especially with the public. Um, my only problem as, as of late in, in recent, recent years, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people now are starting to be a bit confused by performers calling themselves sex workers. Yeah. I've, because I think the confusion is, and I've noticed this because we've started having problems within the adult industry. Now we've adopted that term sex worker. Yeah. It confused uh, me at first too. Yeah. Because if you called somebody a sex worker, they might take offense to it. Right. But it seems that a lot of girls, I, I ran a poll uh, not so long ago and I asked performers and content creators, you know, do you regard yourself as sex workers? I gave them three or four, three options and one, you know, uh, open one so that they could discuss it below. Seventy-five percent of them came back saying they were sex workers, Interesting. and some of them were were, were um, vehemently so defensive of it they were offended that I wouldn't see them as a sex worker. So I said, okay, look at it another way. Right, take ten civilian people, nothing, no one, to, nothing to do with the adult industry, civilians, yeah. And ask them what comes to mind when you hear the term sex work, uh, sex worker, prostitute, and yes, every single time. Yes. I did it out here in Bulgaria. There's well, that, well, that used there. to be that used to be the term for prostitute. That's right. So, so tell me uh, when when did when did the term sex worker start to apply to everyone, including me? I guess. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I. I Oh yeah, I can. I I've got a very good idea when it did start because, again, I I think Charlotte Rose for for all of her best intentions was trying to create an umbrella term to destroy what she called the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hierarchy is something where um, where certain people in the adult industry look down at other people in the adult industry. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, a glamour model will look down at a porn star, and a right. porn star will look down at a an escort and an escort look down at Streetwalker, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll say, I don't do those sort of things. I yeah. don't do those sort of things. Sure. So you've got this division in the industry. What oh. she said there was a problem at the time is that sex workers needed to unite on one issue because yes. she was fighting for decriminalization mm. of, uh, of um, sex work. Right. Now, I think by blurring it, I could see what she's trying to do. Like I said, for all intents and purposes, it was for the uh, for for the greater good, if you like. Sure. But ultimately, I think by blurring everybody, there was no there was no equality really, yeah. because what what would happen is is that the people who could get bank accounts like porn stars and performers, because they can cl- they can claim themselves to be performers or adult performers, right. they don't call themselves porn stars or sex workers. Mm-mm. Could you imagine going to a bank and calling yourself a sex worker? They would have nothing mm, to do with you. Mm, 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 mm. But you went to a bank, but you went to a bank and say, Oh, I'm an adult performer. That could be anything. That could be a fire eater. That could be, you know, a mainstream adult entertainment. You know, I wouldn't even use a, I wouldn't even use the word adult with the bank because that's no that's, well exactly. But I, I but the, the point I'm trying to say is that there were more acceptable terms that they used to get yes. a bank account. Yes. Yeah. And and the, the differentiation was once you once everyone blurred themselves with sex worker, somehow the sex worker thing crept out, and suddenly now it's a, a big issue hmm. with um, with credit card processors now because if you if you link it to Sester Foster, what's going on there? Uh-huh. If everybody sees everybody as a sex worker, how do we know that some of you are not even trafficked? Correct. Well, Sesta Fosta blurred the lines between uh, between uh, pornography and uh, and prostitution. Yeah, so that unity has cost us. It's, it's actually cost us our status, basically. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I wasn't really thrilled with it, but look, I'm not an I'm not a performer. So if a performer wants if they want to call themselves sex workers, then I'm not going to tell them not to, you know. But at the but at the time yeah. at the time I was really uncomfortable with it when people started it, probably about a year ago, I'd say. And I can't say I'm I'm 100% comfortable with it now, but I guess it is what it is, right? I think it can be filtered out slowly, though. Hmm. I've noticed that a lot of people who do call themselves sex workers don't call themselves sex workers if they're seen on TV. Hmm. Like, for instance, if I see them being interviewed, right. they don't say, so as I, oh, today we have in the studio so-and-so who's a sex worker. They'll say that they're an adult entertainer or adult performer or whatever. Right. So they, they'll, they'll give them um, a more acceptable title. I think TV does that sp- specifically because they know how toxic Oh, yeah. The term sex worker is. Of course. It's almost like say, oh, in the studio today we have, uh, because the moment you say sex worker, it's pra- practically you're saying to the public, she's a prostitute. Right, right. Absolutely. You know? So, so <clears throat> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. Yeah, no, go on, carry on. Okay. So, uh, I love talking to Brits with carry on and shagging and oh, all the British axioms. I, it, uh, it, it, it always amuses me being an American who doesn't really speak English. Um, well, now you can see why Austin Powers did so well in America. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I love yeah. those movies. I adore Shagadelic, those movies. Baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, how has the current OnlyFans phenomenon uh, impacted your business? Now everyone's got an OnlyFans account a lot of them don't feel they need to work for producers anymore right. so there's a certain arrogance that comes with that oh, so if you say oh i'm looking to book somebody for a scene they'll inflate their price because they just don't want to work for you right or you know i mean i, I spend a lot of time talking to talking to and arguing with performers you know <laughs> who are friends of mine yeah you know and i said oh we've we've caught on to you now you know you know we we know how much money could be earned and we've been denied that for such a long time and i thought well no the industry was what it was before because we know exactly how many sales we made so the rates sure. of pay were kind of dictated because you had you know producers have to have a budget when they're making a movie correct yeah and on that budget you have to have a return on investment yep. that's what a lot of performers don't seem to understand all this stuff is just basic maths wow so you know the rates of pay were what they were because that was the size of our market you know uh-huh. we didn't pay as much as, as america because we don't sell the amount of units that you can sell in America. Yes. We're not as big a landmass uh, and market as America. Sure. Uh, and not only that, we're still seen as a little bit. Um, we're not. It's not illegal. There is a. There is a. There is a legal in adult industry in the UK. Um, but you know, there are various government quangos over the years who kind of didn't want to get their fingers dirty but you know they'd kind of dip their finger in to say well we'd have to moderate you you know you can't do this you can't do that and i think that kind of um bred a sense of uh censorship in like well how are you to tell people who are in the lifestyle how to have sex you know but anyway back to the, the original op um yeah it, it affected uh, the the my business anyway mm-hmm. because a lot of people start doing it for themselves. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, so you're one of the founding members of uh, UCAP, the Association <laughs> for Adult Producers. Why mm. did you set up an association specifically for producers, and what does it do exactly? This was at a time when porn just became legal in two the year two thousand. Um, as you mentioned earlier on, uh, we when we first started out, we first met up at a convention called uh, Erotica, mm, yes, uh, which was a massive event at Earl's Court, uh, and we all stayed in the same hotel, and it was a great time because a lot of people started putting faces to names. Think of it like expos, if you like, but it was like a lot more smaller than that mm-hmm. between us producers. So we're all staying at the same hotel. We meet up in the lobby for breakfast, and you know we'd get chatting. Uh, anyway, of course, with producers, it always invariably gets round to the business. Of course, where we just love talking about business, and um, and we there were there were problems that needed to be addressed at the time, um, and we felt well. No, I I used to always say at the meetings, no man 
is an island unto themselves. I said, if you're going to make any changes, don't you think we'd make it as a bigger voice together or we could go out of our way and try and do it singly? Every time people single-handedly tried to bring about change, nothing ever happened sure. because nobody ever wanted to hear a single voice. But when you had a whole bunch of people said, hey, come down to this meeting, there's 30, there's 30 <laughs> producers waiting in this room want answers. Somebody would say, well, get your jacket on then. I'll, I'll be attending that meeting yep. because they'll, they'll feel that they have an audience of people to speak to. And at the time, uh, there were, I would say, the luminaries of the adult industry at the time um, were there. And uh, we were able to discuss amongst ourselves, vote amongst ourselves, you know, and we came to conclusions and then we affected the next move. We had people down and we made changes. Sure. Um, our biggest one, a massive one, a very uh, cataclysmic one actually, was in 2004 when Darren James uh, infected six models in the US industry. Oh, jeez. Um, I, I think I remember that, yeah. Yeah, uh, that impacted the adult industry it sent shockwaves even to the to the uk because um uh, some of our uh, best performers in the uk came back and they were horrified they were shell-shocked of course um and they were yelling at our producers that we need to change sta uh, change the standards in the industry uh from uh, three months tests to one month yeah and at the, at, uh, not many people remember this but yeah we only used to ex expect tests within three months, every three months. So Jeez. you had to go about, well, yeah, because you can do uh, a lot of I damage think, in three months. Oh yeah. But you know, but then the asteroid already hit, you know, the reality came home to us with that because so we goes. were thinking that, uh, the incubation period for HIV was three months. So, okay, we get our test every three months. Well, to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, there was no regulation. People just made that rule. Mm. That, that was the logic. Oh, I've got my test. Oh, how long have you got it? Oh, it's still within three months. Oh, okay, you can work. But then when we, ha when we had a meeting with producers and performers, that's when we universally agreed that it had to be done every 28 to 30 days back then. Yeah. And then we also had the smarts to bring in the clinics as well to give us their professional opinion. Good. And to be fair, the clinics only used to test every three months for free but because of the adult industry they did a special deal with us to say okay uh we'll create these gold cards for performers to get tested so that we can identify performers in the industry who need to be tested every month that's nice that's real yeah nice. so yeah, that, that was our first victory as um, as UK adult producers. Um, later on, of course, uh, we every time we came, we, ha we only had four meetings a year. So every producer would bring any of their issues or discussions mm -hmm. to the meetings. Um, and we'd, we'd have meetings with or, or day trips out to people at like the BBFC mm -hmm. who would discuss how they make their, uh, their cuts for adult content. Um, or we'd have guests from um, um, from liabilities, employment and liabilities, because one of the the next thing that we were concerned about is that producers didn't feel they were liable for anything, hmm. and we thought, ah, uh, uh, no, no, I said, guys, you need to understand that if we're not illegal, we have to conform hmm. with what's legal, That's right. and that means employee liability. Yeah. So if somebody trips over on a light and you're set, what's going to happen? We've had numerous accidents in the adult industry that just went unregistered. Um, and we're lucky that no one's ever sued a producer. Really? <laughs> yeah, we're lucky. Yeah, that no one's ever sued a producer. Well, but if they turned it, out and did, I think if anybody, yeah. I think if anyone did, and it wasn't something very serious, I think they'd probably have a little trouble getting work. I think that's kind of the way it works. Yeah, there is that, but I think there was some some people just just took it on the chin just because it was an accident and it wasn't their fault. I mean, I I, I know that a guy broke his dick on my scene once. Oh, jeez, but. <laughs> But the interesting thing that, is that I hurts. That hurts just hearing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, try as you might, you know, there are adult there are insurances that do cover aspects of the adult industry, but they do not cover anything to do with inju injuries related to production. Okay, which is interesting. 
because the mainstream industry has industry liability insurance to protect um, mainstream actors because, mm. I don't know, it's a bigger industry and it's more legitimate. Sure. But then if, if we're not illegal, why can't we be allowed the same thing? They, they won't underwrite um, a porn film production, even though it's not illegal. Mm. Yeah, it's the old double standard. We know how that goes. Well, yeah, but again, with UCAT, we were trying to challenge people's yes. way of thinking on that. Yes, yes. Um, and I think we, we, we started making a collection of uh, very influential friends and people who provided services in the industry. Mm-hmm. So we became a hub for all that. Nice. Uh, you know, so, so we, we um, it's not until later on in recent years did, did we um, invite more guests to the meeting so that we could understand the industry better or sure. for people to understand us better. Right. You know, like, like, um, uh, which was probably a little bit unusual, but we had something like revenge porn online. I was trying to uh, tell people that the reason why you have your uh, model releases, one of the things I drum into producers is the importance of having um, model releases. Yes. And and not just model releases, the correctly worded model releases, you know, the mm-hmm. one of the stage name, the one of the real name and the address and the date of birth signed. And also the words for you know the ownership of the material you do understand that it is owned by me i can profit right. from this blah 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 till it, whatever i said you need to have those i said oh it's got it's got to be written by a good attorney well nobody ever paid for an attorney back then except i was dealing with um a few companies that i was shooting with uh and i managed to uh, obtain proper legal right um legally written uh releases right. and adopted that into my standard release. Good. So I said to people that my, my one's pretty much ironclad because I've had it re- read by a lawyer and said, yeah, okay, it's covered. I've, I've had various incidences where I had to provide my paperwork and it kept me out of court because okay. of the wording. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, so I, I would drum into people the importance for model releases. Oh, Absolutely. You were also involved with the UCAP Awards. Now, what made you decide to get into that, and how did it work out for the businesses? Ah, all right. Now, um, this is interesting. Early on in the UCAP years, the early UCAP years, I just had, I just didn't believe in the awards. I just didn't understand them. Um, uh, but to be honest, when it, when they did do the first one, um, I kind of kept away from it until I got a phone call from one of the members saying, look, Terry, you have to turn up to this event. And I went, <laughs> why? Yeah, and I said, because you won, all right? And I went, oh. And I said, uh, but, you know, I'll have to tell you that because I want, I want, want, you, want to get you there. Okay, fine, fair enough. So when I turned up, he, you know what? The, the, the night was really impressive. He'd done a fantastic job. It was Phil mm-hmm. Black who organized uh, the first. I mean, he was a member of UCAP, but it wasn't called the UCAP Awards back then. It was called UCAFTA. So it was the UK Adult Film and Television Awards, ah. uh, which, is, which is quite clever, right? Because what he did, he also included adult in mainstream. Right. So you'll see in the news, it's still there. If you look look for it on um, on a Google search, you'll find if you look for UCAFTA, you'll find a, a wiki page. I don't know who put that together, but somebody did. <laughs> and you know, I remember back in the day, the the uh, oh, I can't remember her name is now Billy. She done Secret Diary of a Call Girl, and and that was like the big series at the time, and that won an award. So I can see what they're trying to do. They were trying to merge. Uh, the adult industry with mainstream adults, Smart. if that makes sense. Smart. Yeah, it was a marketing thing, really, just to help uh, to help elevate the industry back then. I mean, I didn't get that um, <laughs> back then until afterwards when I saw the impact of what it did. Right. Um, and uh, I became a fan after that. But yeah. I still know. I, but the way I look at it, the event wasn't my event. It was Phil Black's. He he done the first three events. Right. So when it when it came to my time to take over UCAP, I think it was about twenty fourteen. Um, we di- we kind of did it because uh, I was kind of pressured by Jerry to do an event for um, XBiz because mm. they wanted to attend the party, mm-hmm. and Jerry said it would be a good idea to have something a bit more substantial than just a party and a drink up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have, let's have a, an awards for, um, for, for them to, to enjoy. So I thought, okay. So I did, I did about eight categories. And when I was doing it, I suddenly really, I started believing in, in, 
in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So that's all the potential for, um, look what we're doing here. We've got Americans over here from XBiz, mm-hmm. okay, and we're presenting winners. And I, I remember that the winners did go on to bigger and better things. At the time, they were kind of stuck in what I would call um, suspended animation, if you like. <laughs> they they worked in the business for amateur producers, but that was about it. Sure. After that, they were working in Europe and traveling around. And I know one particular girl was doing particularly well. Actually, no, I think they all did well. Mm. They all did well from then on. Um, I mean, I wouldn't take any credit for that just because of the awards. I mean, they had to go out and get the work and still sure. be a success. But, you know, what I what I saw was the potential to um, elevate our business and raise profiles. Right, right. No, that makes good uh, sense. And I, and I realized that it could be a promotional vehicle for all those involved with the business. Yes. Not just producers, but the health services, everybody involved. Yes. Absolutely. It's the one time. It's the one time where everybody in the adult industry, whether they like awards or not, do pay attention. Yep. Now, now, have you got any thoughts on why mental health issues are more on the rise in the business today? Yeah, two words: social media. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it, it's not just social media, though. There are there's a lot more pressures on performers these days to succeed, mm-hmm. even though they're doing well on their OnlyFans. I'm finding a lot of girls are just breaking down from dealing with the demand, dealing with the demand of fans, dealing with the demand of the work they have to put out, promotion, shooting, as well as having a life, well as as well as beautifying themselves, well as mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, raising children because people forget that you know these, some of these girls do have children as well; they have families to feed. Yep. So it's 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 it all weighs in on them. So, yeah, it, it can be very difficult. Social media is another one because I see that as a blessing and a curse. I think social media totally. has replaced the mailing list that we had back in the old, olden days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's convenient now because you can tweet out there and people come to your site and they can sign up and it's, you know, that's great. But, you know, there are problems. That, the other side of it, of that coin, is that, you know, you'll get trolls you'll get people wanting attention and psychologically it kind of breaks a lot of girls down. Yep. So I think a lot of girls have a lot to deal with, especially with social media. I mean, there was a particular incident that, you know, there was a time when we was losing a girl every month in America. Um, That's one right. particular year. That's right. And, and most of that was around social media. Yeah. Yeah, that was before uh, Pineapple Support got started. In fact, I was I was interv- right. I was interviewed on uh, on their podcast uh, a couple nights ago. So yeah, I, I mean, I interviewed Leah Tennant as well because mm-hmm. I wanted to understand a bit more about Pineapple Support. Mm-hmm. Because being in the UK, I was trying to get people over here to understand the importance of mental health. Yep. I mean, the good thing about what Pineapple Support are doing is that it's adult industry specific. Yes, absolutely. Because a lot of uh, charity organisations, I mean, I'm not, I'm personally not trained to deal with this, but I've had to deal with the phone calls at two o'clock in the morning yeah. from a sobbing girl, and I'm thinking, Who, who's this? And I hear them crying and sobbing. And they say, I'm sorry to, to call you, Terry, but you're the only one I know that's up this time in the morning. Mm. You know, I, I just need someone to talk to. And I went, mm. Yeah, by all means, go. What's the matter? What's the matter, yeah. girl? You know, yeah. and they're, and they're telling me. You know, whatever their issue is, I think sometimes just girls just want a listening ear. Yeah. And they just don't trust anybody else to to listen because... That's a compliment to you. There was a stigma. That's a compliment to you. Well, a lot of girls know I talk about a lot of deep stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the girls I help. I help the guys as well. I think a lot of guys don't show their emotions very well. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's, it's a big deal to me when a guy decides that I've got something really personal to talk about and, you know, it's not the easiest thing to talk about. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not easy as a male to talk about you've been assaulted by another guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not easy. No. So, you know, no. I, had to buy, I understand the darkness with uh, that goes on in this world. And I've come to the conclusion that a lot of people's problems in the industry is not even to do with the work itself. Mm-hmm. It's to do with the outside world. Yeah. Yeah, no social yeah, social a, media social media gets so toxic 
including some of our own social media. Sometimes, sometimes the some of the people on XBiz, it, it's just incredibly toxic. I had one mm-hmm. one such case last week, and uh, which which as an ambassador you may be familiar with. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're as we record here in early September, by the way. Um, yeah. But um, no, it's very toxic, and uh, people have feelings. And some of these keyboard warriors don't realize that. And yeah. they just tear people shred to shred, and then they just go on with their day. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer uh, the, is. The, usually, well, the anonymity of it all makes it easy. Sure, sure. The problem yeah, I had on so XBiz was a, was a guy who doesn't even use his name, you know? He he uses a he right, uses a yeah. handle, which which I yeah. know a lot of people in adult do, but uh, yeah. you know, doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, no, it doesn't make. Well, you say it doesn't make it any easier, but now you know that people are hiding behind an anonymity. Of course, it should help you understand things. Do you know what? I mean, naked truth guy. I had to set up as a separate name because I used to get into arguments on the, as UCAT. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't trust UCAP in its early days. They thought mm-hmm. we were, uh, uh, they thought as we were some kind of consortium of producers trying to control the industry. Yeah. Uh, we had all kinds of accusations of elitism and yeah. everything. And it got to the point where I, I was being defensive. Yeah. And some people would just get downright nasty. Yeah. Now, people say that I get into arguments, but one thing I refuse to get into is being downright nasty. I will not get downright nasty and I will not get personal. Yeah. What I will get is eloquent. So if I'm going to attack you, <laughs> it's going to be on an intelligent level. You are and so, you are so people. British, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you are well, so British. That's one, what, that's one of the things I love about the Brits, by the way. It's one of the things I love about the Brits as well, is that how they can eviscerate you with just words. Yes. Yes, indeed. You know, indeed. And I think you know, just a, a well-placed word will just destroy you. Whereas another person will, <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people who started out as bullies be broken in half yep. by not being able to answer back yeah, to yeah. something that's intelligent. Well, I do yeah, a lot of the, I does, do a lot of this. I do a lot of the same, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll respond back to people in a very intelligent and well thought out way. And yeah. yeah, they don't know what to do with that because they're not they're not used to people being thoughtful. I'll tell you what, it all comes back down to the same thing. Isn't it all very art of war by Sun Tzu? Sorry? It's what? It's it's all very art of war by Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Sun Tzu is the guy that wrote the art of war, yeah. Okay. Now when you look at it, yeah, that a lot of the philosophies that he had in that book, which are quite amazing, apply to a lot of the way life is today. Yeah. But if you want to if you want to agitate your bully, yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean I can't remember what the saying was, but anyway, but if you agitate your bully and they resort to getting personal with nasty words, they've lost the battle. Yes. Every battle is one before it's fought is another one. That's it's true. Every battle is one before it's fought. It's very true. If you think about it, yeah, yeah, yeah it's and uh, that's what I love uh, about the art of war. Anyway, but but every time people talk about Twitter and arguments, it does mm. remind me a lot. I said if people read the art of war. They will understand how to deal with people and trolls on social media. Yeah, I'll put it um, on my some list. Some people, oh yeah, it's, it, you know, it's not a very big book. It's not a very long book. It's okay. but it's got some great stuff in it. You, it'll make you think. You think, hey, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I like so books. in future. I like books like that. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense, and it it, it will help you um, be a bit more strategic in your approach to speaking to people. Yeah. So sometimes if somebody's having a go at you, just let them have a go at you. And, yeah. You know, and then then wait a minute and then think, have you, are you done yet? <laughs> you know, and then and then that's when you can hit them with the facts. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, my use of social media these days is pretty much limited to business, a little bit of soft Twitter and soft Facebook uh, personal, but, uh, I got into Facebook heavy and Facebook helped, helped convince me that I don't want to be there. So anyway, um, so it was a time waster anyway, my God. So what are the differences between the indie content producer and the current content creator? I'm going to say there's no difference between the two. I mean, I started out as what we would call back in the day as a semi pro, and then I became pro-am. Yeah. And we 
we had less terms back then. I mean, in porn, people might have called me a gonzo producer. Nowadays, I'm hearing people being called content creator. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a corporate word for... Because you know, corporate work, corporations don't want to call people porn producers, no, because they're, they're trying to take away. They they, they 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 don't. It's not that they don't want to be associated with it. They're just trying to clean up the act a little bit right. to make it a bit more presentable. Sure. Yeah. So they came out the term content creator as a general term for people mm. who create content. Right. Um. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I can name drop here. OnlyFans is probably the, the biggest one behind that. Well, because sure. they tend to pro- they tend to promote people who are content creators mm-hmm. who don't do adult. So what they're trying to do is create a veneer of acceptability. Oh, on, sure. on the, you know, so when they're promoting it, they can say, "Hey, look, you know, we've got people who are doing um, fitness training, mm-hmm. uh, cookery, uh, painting, music, playing the piano." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but behind all that, take a quick look around the corner. It's only doing anal and double penetration, oh, and it's like, exactly. you know, uh, oh yeah, they're they're content creators, but we don't talk about that. No, 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 <laughs> no. That doesn't that doesn't fit, doesn't doesn't fit their corporate profile at all. Uh, well, and for good reason, yeah. because they are a corporate. They, they are they're almost like a clearinghouse for money yep. to go through. Yep. So they don't. Re, uh, corp, no corporation wants to be seen like that. I can understand that. I get it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So they want to. They want to. They want to clean up the face of it, but they recognise that they're also making a lot of money from. Um, uh, that dreaded word, sex workers. Well, yeah, I was just gonna, and yeah. I was I was just going to say, and their and their content creators are calling themselves sex workers. It's really kind of funny. Well, yeah, so you can see the embarrassment that it's like. Um, so, so you, could you imagine at a convention with Mastercard and Visa getting together with OnlyFans at a nice swish dinner, and they're all saying, oh, "So you uh, you're dealing with the these sex workers, are you?" And OnlyFans kind of being a bit embarrassing. Well, yeah, they bring in a lot of money, and they don't mean any harm. You know, they're they're doing their thing. Oh, yes, but they're still common prostitutes, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can almost you can almost hear it at the dinners already. You know, and <sighs> you know, it's funny because I I did deal with a merchant banker. One of one of our members at UK was a merchant banker. We asked what what exactly is this problem between um, while we while we are denied certain financial services. And he told us this one simple answer. Yeah. He says, because the banks just don't have an appetite for adult. And he said, if the truth be known, most of their wives, most of the wives of these executives behind financial companies don't want them getting involved with adult. There it is. There it is. Or their churches. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, churches are very rarely mentioned in the UK. This is something that's very American, you yeah. know, that with the... Um, Sadly, but in, in, in the in the UK, the churches seem to be a little bit more understanding that you know, we we understand that people like to masturbate over these things, and they all have a sex life, and they realise that they don't want to become unpopular by being old fuddy duddies. Right. So you know, but so they like to promote the whole love and marriage thing, you know, as as the proper way to do things. But you know, they're, they're a little bit more understanding. They just don't like to just don't like to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, how real are the couples on Real Couples, or is it just a concept for generic boy-girl movies? Oh, they're all real. I, you know, this is interesting because um, people in the industry tend to think that, uh, oh, that they, they could just come along and just do Real Couples for me. And I'll say, no, sorry, how long have you been with your partner? Oh, we only met up about a week or so. This doesn't count, then, does it? Really, you've got no history between you. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah, you're just in a, you're just uh, you might not even be together in six months' time. Yeah. I said, look, and they say, well, what difference does it make? We're a couple. I said, you say you're a couple, but the people. I said, one of the, some of the things I want to talk to you about because it's not just about the sex scene. It's about how you are. Do you live together? You know, all these little all these little things that that make up a relationship. Sure. You know, I mean, I think your 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 um, adult relationships in the adult, in the adult industry are just as valid as the real world because you are people from the real world. Right. Otherwise, other people are just going to see it as just another porn scene. Yep. And you know, a porn scene with porn people doing porn sex. <laughs> Pretty so much. I said, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't really want that. I want what what what, what real sex is. Yeah. They said, well, what's that mean then? What ten minutes sex and then roll over, fart, and go to sleep. 
<laughs> do you? I said, if need be, yeah. Do, do you direct the couples if they're porn as if they're porn stars? No, I don't. But I've got a very crafty way of manipulating them. Hmm. <laughs> do tell. Well, let me let me explain. Right. So what it is, um, I always spend a lot of time finding out what they like doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I tell them to be pr- to be honest. I said you can show whatever you want. I said what you got to remember that other couples are going to be watching you, so you're kind of going to be educating them. So if there's a particular thing that helps you perform better, then carry on doing it. I said don't be ashamed of whatever you do. If you like to be pegged by your missus, you know, or you like a reach round or whatever, or you like to be rimmed or whatever a specific specific act it is you do, don't be embarrassed because I said couples enjoy watching other couples being honest with each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So once I've once I've instilled that trust in them, that that's when it's usually the woman that's really more like, oh yeah, he likes this, he likes that. Baby, you can't be telling him that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said no. I said honestly. I said this this is really. I don't. I said look, whatever you've learned in porn, to unlearn it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I said. I said, just be chilled out, man. I said, you know, don't feel that you, you're under pr- pressure to perform. If you want to do a bit now, do a bit later, or you want to watch a bit of TV. I said, ultimately, I want to be fly on the wall and just document really what you're like. And I think people prefer that. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty the first filmmaker to do that because everyone was concerned about four positions of the camera shot and it has to tell you that you're not doing it the right way. I said, no, I'm doing it my way. Okay. Exactly. I said, I sit there, I shoot, I edit. Okay, and do you know what I said? If you want to, if you want uh, some kind of uh, measure uh, for if your porn is any good, ask yourself: Would you buy it? Would you buy your own content? Let's hope so. And I'd have to say, yeah, okay. I would. Well, I, said, and I love this shit. That's man. exactly right. Yeah, any art form. And it got to the point. Yeah, any yeah. art, any and art think, form, think, any art form. Yeah, it's got to be something you like because if it isn't something you like, others won't like it. Yeah. I mean, I felt I was making sexual documentaries. So but when I said I, I, that I, I manipulate them, I find out what they're like, and I'll try and get it in the pictures. So the, the manipulation bit is when, when it comes to the pictures, because I've done it in the picture, they sometimes feel, oh, look, I, I did that in the picture, and I, I did it in a way that was easy. Mm-hmm. I could do it here in a video. You see what I'm saying? So I've kind of uh, directed that almost by auto-suggestion. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes but, sense. Yeah, but I, ha- but I don't stop and direct them because I think the moment you've got to stop and direct someone, you're going to break the flow on the day. It's going to make it a long day, and it's not going to be real. No, no. You might as well just uh, just take the first part of the title off. So, Although, yeah, exactly. But although, I would like to say this. This is the one thing that you could trip me up with but when you say how real is real couples. Well, how real is it when the cameraman's in there? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think you're being yeah. too, Terry. I think you're being too philosophical. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'm getting older now. I'm probably going to get worse. I'm getting older. Oh God, this is true. This is true. So, um, what challenges um, do you see with running a website these days? Oh yeah, well, I think it brings us back to to the real couples thing. I think I noticed uh, since the. Only fans phenomenon mm-hmm. that a lot more couples are doing it for themselves now. Yeah. Um, so why would they want to work for a producer? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, why would they want to work for a producer? I think that's one of the challenges. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other challenge probably would be the, the payment processes. Again, with what's going on, we're the ones that are taking a bashing for it because for yes. for many years we were out of sight of mind you know we were we we were custodians of records because you know a lot of people don't a lot of people didn't forget that producers have to have paperwork yep so we were all above board with our paperwork every site that i know that's got if you look at every site at the bottom of the page mm-hmm. uh they've all got custodians of records at the bottom meaning that yep. they're all 2257 uh compliant correct um the problem the problem with the industry i think is where a lot of content creators uh, became used to shooting stuff on their phone, uploading it to a site, and not putting any paperwork up. Mm. I think playtime's over now. I think uh, what happened at Pornhub with the unverified users is now um, impacting now on uh, content creators. Sure, you know who are doing 
sexual content. I don't think it applies to everybody because, you know, if some people are doing, you know, like music videos, for instance, you're not going to ask for model releases for that because they're not having sex. They're of doing course. something music being creative. But if you're, but what people need to understand is that, that uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people realize is that if you're filming people having sex, it is actually illegal to film them doing so without their consent. Did you yeah. know that? Um, yeah, it's an actual, it's an actual law. It's an actual law in, in the what, UK. In what like country? In the UK. Okay. Okay. In the UK, yeah, it's it's actually a law now in the UK. And what I was trying to to tell people is that you could find yourself on the receiving end of a revenge porn case. Yeah. Yeah, because I found that statistics for re- revenge porn laws now, uh, the for offences have doubled every year since they started. Jeez. Well, I don't have a problem with that, to be honest with you, because I just think that's the lowest form when guys do that, or if girls do it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, you know, and that's not exactly new. I mean, no. that, that I remember that certain guys used to do it because they were spurned. They were spurned lovers, if you like. So, <laughs> you know, if the girl got rid of him, he'd buy a videotape and send it to her parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at your daughter now. She's a porn star. I, I always found that very low. It's all, yeah, it's very low. It's very low. And I, I don't have a problem with any punishment for it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, no, well, that's how we felt about it in the industry. We thought, look, mate, if you're going to go that low, you know, you know, we're not going to be shedding a tear for you if you get kicking by somebody. <laughs> because, you know, you went out your way to, 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 to hurt her in the worst way possible. Yeah. So, hey, you know, justice is justice. We just have to look the other way. Exactly. So what advice would you give to people in the adult business today, especially those just getting started? Definitely to pay attention to uh, getting your model releases correct, your paperwork Mm -hmm. correct. Uh, Also, there's a wealth of knowledge out there now. Uh, Try and absorb as much of it as you can. Mm -hmm. Try and be part of um, groups and organizations where they discuss certain things that may impact on your business. You know, what's happened with uh, OnlyFans recently, uh, I mean, I've got an OnlyFans account, but when they suddenly said, oh, all the hardcore has to be off by October the 1st, I didn't sweat it. I just kind of, because I'm aware of what was going on for months, you know, being on XBiz. Again, yeah. being on XBiz, that's a wealth of information yes. right there. Yes, You know, I mean, Some days. between <laughs> us. Yeah, well, do you know what? When you get a bunch of people together, sometimes not everybody's going to be on the same level as, of experience and knowledge. Uh, so some, some people are a little bit more frivolous than others and might upset others. So th- that's when it kind of gets into me- mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a lot of that around anyway. So I wouldn't just put that down next biz. No, but, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, it's been, it's been better lately. In fact, I put a post up about that, that, uh, I was, I was happy to see more business oriented posts and some really good threads. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you'd expect. That's the wealth of information that I'm talking about. Yep. Because people who are performers, whether you're a performer, content creator, producer, whatever level you are in the business, what I've loved about XBiz is that if you're looking for anybody, you know, like yourself, somebody who sells websites, who broke, who, who, who manages the, um, uh, the selling, the buying yep. and selling of websites, uh, designers, you know, uh, that's where you're going to find it. You're going to find it in a community sure. just like that. You know, so it's great to to, to, to be part of XBiz is mm-hmm. one thing. Another thing is to be part of uh, certain social media groups because you just never know that they'll come up with something that you think, well, please, can you expand on this? This sounds interesting. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid yeah. to ask questions. Right. You know, um, also, if you're a performer, um, you should try and understand who are the right people to speak to when getting a reference. Yeah. Because there's a lot of sharks in the business now, uh, a lot of chances, and sometimes it, it ends up pretty bad. Yeah. And also, I would say, don't do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. If people say to you, oh, you're never going to be a real porn star if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Tell them to get lost. You don't have to do that. You're not exactly. ready for it yet. Exactly. Yeah. I said, um, I mean, I, I knew girls like that when I first came into the business. And one of the things that I've learned is that when they're ready to do it, mm-hmm. they will, they will uh, practice and train themselves accordingly to when they're ready to do it. Right. That's the best way. That's the mm-hmm. best way. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
So you're currently living in Bulgaria, which is interesting. Now, is there much of an adult scene there? And what are you doing there? Well, at the moment, I've been living out here because of the pandemic. Ah. Um, I mean, I, I originally came out here to live and commute back to London for business. So I would have been out here three or four weeks and spend a week in London to catch up with people. But it didn't end up being that way because of the pandemic. The, sure. the planes were grounded. Uh, and I found myself um, spending a lot more time here. But a lot of people tend to think that, oh, he must be living the life of Riley, drinking every day and just doing nothing. No, I'm busy with my memoirs and <laughs> and marketing my content. I've got content out here that I'm working on. I'm marketing. I'm still doing my social media. I'm still making money. So, yeah, I'm still making money. It's great because, I mean, the great thing about the uh, current era with technology is that you only need Wi-Fi and yep. a mobile phone. Don't and you I know. Can just market. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> you know, and uh, I found that, you know, my sales have been better this year as yeah, a result yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? I had a great 2022. It was a, uh, 2020 was a great year. Yeah. I mean, so I was expecting. One. I was expecting an impact, you know, like with the the, the pandemic, nobody wants to spend money on anything because yeah. they were buying too much toilet paper, yeah. you know, or, and they got no money for anything else. And then suddenly I think, wow, I'm actually doing better than I was before. Yeah. I, you know what I thought was going to happen? I thought there would be an initial spike because people were home and there was. But yeah. from talking to people with sites and also looking at people's financials, no, it hasn't dropped off at all. And I think what it did was get us a lot more customers in the industry, and they're not going away. So it's turning yeah. out to be a long-term boon. The bad side for me is some people aren't selling their sites. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's a real buyer's market right now. But, yeah, I, I saw uh, – I expected it was going to fall off when people started losing their jobs, but it didn't. Uh, do you know what I think we can attribute to that? Uh, hmm. I think the fact that porn is a lot more accessible and cheaper than it was before. When you look about, if you look at uh, a lot of OnlyFans accounts, a lot of girls are doing uh, special discounts, like ridiculously cheap, like two dollars fifty, three dollars fifty. <laughs> so a lot more people are going to rush into that, sure. know, knowing that they can get a lot of content for very little money. Right, but I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing it with pay sites too. I'm seeing pay sites with great numbers from last year and this year. Yeah, well, I think people can see value for money. I mean, if you sign up to my site, it sounds like I'm advertising already. If you sign up to my site, you can get access to twenty other sites. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. all for one price. There you go. And no, and no hidden charges. <laughs> yeah. So if it feels like I'm advertising my site, please do. But you please know, do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's realcouples.com, realcouples.co.uk, .uk. Uh, let me say that again properly, realcouples.com or realcouples.co.uk uh, is my main site. If you join up to that site, you can get access to 20 other sites. Fabulous. Fabulous. So, yeah. Um, but uh, if you want to follow me as well, you can follow me on at Naked Truth Guy on Twitter. And also, if you were to follow my uh, movies, is at Real Couples on Twitter as well. Fabulous. Okay, Terry. Hey. But if you also, oh, sorry. Uh, one more last thing. Yes. One more. One more last thing. Okay. Uh, if they if they're looking for uh, discussions on um and on, on getting into the industry, um, health. Anything to do with producing, mm -hmm. content creating, mm -hmm. they can follow me at official UCAP. Fantastic. At official UCAP. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's UKAP, official UKAP. Fantastic. Hey, Terry, this has been, as, as you guys would say, brilliant. I'd like to, <laughs> I can't do, I can't do the accent. Sorry. Uh, I'd like to thank okay. you for, <laughs> for being our guest again today on adult side broker talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do it again really soon. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. My broker tip today is part one on how to buy an adult site. The first question to ask yourself is what kind of site would you like to buy? Would you like a tube site, a cam site, a dating site, a membership site, a social media site, or something else? If you want to buy a membership site, what type of site do you want and what niche? There are literally hundreds of niches and many sub-niches. For instance, let's say you want to buy a gay site. 
Under gay, there's bears or mature, bareback, Asian, Latino, amateur, bi, black, euro, and fetish, along with many fetishes under that classification. Plus, there's hardcore, jocks, porn stars, solo, trans, twinks, and uniforms. Straight has even more sub-niches. I can't tell you how many people contact me and just say, I want to buy a site or I want to buy a pay site. I need more information than that. How you make this decision should be based on these factors. What interests you? What you enjoy should definitely play a part in what you buy. If you like men and want to make money on a straight site, that's probably a really bad idea. Same thing if you're straight and want to buy a gay site. So what you like plays a big part. What's your budget? This is something you need to establish at the very beginning. Not only do you need to know what it is you're working with, but some classifications of sites are more expensive than others. For instance, if you want a campsite with any traffic or revenue at all, you're going to need a lot of money. In fact, to buy any established site will be somewhat expensive. If you buy a site that's pretty much just a platform without traffic or sales, you're going to need a huge investment to build it up. In that case, it might actually be as good or better just to start your own site. That way you get exactly what it is you're looking for. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Stefan Hanel of FinXP. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Terry Stevens. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.